Story Makers. I'm Angie Powers. I'm Elizabeth Stark. And, and this is Story Makers Show. And we are so excited to be here today with Mika Perks, who is the author of the Just Out collection of linked short stories. So maybe collection is the wrong word, but let's call it a book of linked short stories. We'll talk more about that. The title is True Love and Other Dreams of Miraculous Escape. She's also the author of the novel What Becomes Us, winner of an independent publisher's book award and named one of the top 10 books about the apocalypse by The Guardian. Her memoir, Pagan Time, tells the story of her childhood in a log cabin on a commune in the Adirondack wilderness. She is also the author of We Are Gathered Here, a novel, and Alone in the Woods, a long personal essay. Her short stories and essays have appeared in Epoch, or Epic, Ziziba, Tin House, The Toast, Aussie, The Rumpus, um, and many other journals and anthologies. She's won an NEA, five Pushcart Prize nominations, and the New Guard Mashigan 2014 Fiction Prize. She received her BA and MFA from Cornell University and now lives with her family in Santa Cruz, where she co-directs the creative writing program at UCSC. And you can go find her at MikaParks.com, and we'll talk more about that at the end. Welcome, Mika. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's so fun. We got to have a, you're, we have an earlier episode that we'll link in the show notes to a conversation we had with you about previous. Yeah. So, you know, what's, what's different? Wait, wait, I'm before kidding. we get there. <laughs> we're going to exactly. I have nothing new to say. Yeah, we know. It's been, yeah, it's been a tumultuous time. Um, real quickly, Angie, yeah. what are you working on? Um, right now I am doing actually research on film festivals and kind of doing the work to get the movie out. So, yay. And I have, um, notes from my agent for this round two with her and, um, I'm meeting with her tomorrow. So I'm trying to make a kind of a plan for that meeting and, um, and try to jam through these final comments as fast as I possibly can. <laughs> Mika, <laughs> how about you? Well, that sounds exciting. It is, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm doing. Um, when I was describing to my son what I was working on uh, last night on a phone call, he disdainfully called it clickbait. But um, I'm working on. Um, let's let's not call it that. I'm I'm working on a, a, a list of. Um, weird British books about women and girls. And I'm also working on an essay, a craft essay about linking um, short story collections. Oh, very cool. So that yeah. seems relevant. <laughs> Do they have to be weird books? <laughs> or are they, are, are they automatically weird books by virtue? Of, I, know, I was going to say, what is that defining by, characteristic of weirdness? Um, I love that question. Um, I'm kind of thinking here about weird um, in the way I don't uh, I'm not sure if you uh, well anyway when Kelly Link won the MacArthur the MacArthur Foundation did this video of her and she described her own work as weird and described weird as um, wondrously unspecific and also unexpected and so I um, basically I'm thinking of weird well I'm thinking of weird in two ways one weird in the way that um, the work deviates from kind of what we what we expect, either in plot or form or character, and then also um, the idea of weird that you know that word goes way back to um, what was first used um, by Shakespeare in Macbeth around the weird sisters, the three mm -hmm. sisters. So and and it's connected to fate. So so a kind of um, maybe a sisterhood of the weird as well. I love. I have to say, I love that, and I love that you have that answer at hand. So is like, the title <laughs> going to be The Women Who Run With Weird? Well, I'm trying to write it. <laughs> I love... <laughs> yeah, we run with the weird. I like that, yeah. Uh, that's cool. And then um, <laughs> with the Kelly Link thing, I just... Did you say unspecific or, like, marvelously unspecific or marvelously suspicious? Well, she, she, she said unspecific, and I, she didn't mean that the work itself was unspecific, but that the term, the um, what she likes about, she didn't mm. say this, but what mm. I assume is that what she likes about the word weird is that it's capacious. You know, a lot mm. of things could fit under that umbrella. Like, just for example, in her... Um, in the video of her, she looks complete. She's she's wearing a completely normal outfit, normal hair, sitting at her normal desk, um, working on her computer. But she has this incredibly bright blue lipstick on that's a little <laughs> bit over the lines of her lips. And yes. she just looks fabulously weird. 
and unexpected. I, I remember that picture. Those those MacArthur videos are wonderful, aren't yeah. they? Yeah. They're actually pretty great, yeah. <laughs> and so let's talk I about the, uh, the essay, too, because that's a great way into the, the one about linked short story collections, because I think this form is yeah. really interesting. And I'll just say, like, you know, in reading this book, it, it, it reminds me of the fact that we're in the golden age of television and that people talk all the time about <laughs> the great writing and that we're in a place where there's a lot of openness to kind of episodic um, story and story that moves mm. from character to character, but, but, but there's a sense of a whole. Um, and I wonder, I don't know if that's, yeah. that's just one little angle, the television angle, but what, I'm sure every author prefers to well, well, you wouldn't mind probably selling it to like HBO. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Do you, if you have any connections. Um, well, actually, that's, that's really smart. Um, it's really smart because I, I absolutely love, I mean, I'm like everyone else in the world. I love binge watching. Um Netflix and you know and series and I really love episodic work and I um I think one of my models actually not I think I know one of my models was Elizabeth Strout's Olive Kittredge and not just the book but I also loved the HBO series too so um and yeah I mean I I love that kind of thing I've loved it since I I watched whatever um Rich Man Poor Man and Roots when I was like in middle school right so um so what yeah. kind of advice oh, are you I giving think, in the essay about connecting okay good question because I haven't I haven't written it yet but um <laughs> now. um I um, advice I would give is, well, I already had, um, I'm, I'm very curious about how if some people just start out from scratch writing, um, a book of link stories and I didn't do that and I don't really know how to do that. Um, but what I did was I already had, um, quite a few, a large group of stories that I wanted to do a collection. And when I read them, um, I, I actually literally laid them all out in hard copy on my floor of mm. my bedroom and mm. I looked at them and I thought this will never work. This can't be a collection because um, the characters are were I wrote I wrote the stories over a, like a 10 to 15 year period in between longer projects. And then um, I so I realized that the characters were weirdly similar, but not similar enough and um, one of the examples I give is that in one story there's this Chilean man who's an activist and he's got this beautiful smile and then in another story there's this Argentinian researcher and he's got a beautiful smile and in another story there's a Chilean professor with a beautiful smile and you know my partner is a Chilean professor with a beautiful smile so I I had kind of replicated you know it had all these avatars from for my autobiographical life, um, but it didn't. It was. It didn't make any sense at all as a collection. And and I there was also repetitions of, of stories that were kind of too similar. Mm -hmm. So I realized that you know that I I thought that I would need to link them up to make it work. And I also thought that would be a really fun challenge because I didn't know how to do that. And so, um, in linking them, you know, I just went little by little, like I changed the set, all the settings to, um, basically Santa Cruz, California, where I live. And I, I started changing characters so that, um, there was only one Chilean man in the book and then Still with a beautiful, for example, and then it a still with a beautiful smile, but then if he, if there's only one of him, then he, you know, can have a finite number of children and partners and colleagues and all of that. So things just kept changing. <laughs> you think? Um, like that, you know, it's like this, mo it's this moving puzzle that you have, that things get locked into place and then they have ramifications for another story. I ended up having to take several stories out because I just couldn't figure out how they fit. Right. Um, Oh, one really interesting thing that happened in the linking part is that um, I ended up changing the gender of some of the characters. And that was really interesting and fun and really opened the stories up. Um, in, For example, there, one of my I had a story about um, a, a woman whose husband leaves her 
and she becomes a single parent and she's this really kind of, you know, keep your sunny side up no matter what. And she just keeps getting hit with more and more kind of comically terrible things happening to her. And, 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 and she just keeps on trying to be cheerful about it. And, um, when I change it to a man, there's this point in the story where she just can't take it anymore. And she bursts into tears and cries herself to sleep. And then in my story, when my character now Isaac, um, I thought about that and I thought, oh, can he really burst into tears and cry himself to sleep? And I, I came up against my own um, gender prejudice, you know, like, why can't he? Of course he can do that. And so then he did do that. And then he did paint his nails blue to cheer him up, himself up. And so it really, I think, in a way, made my characters more fresh and interesting. Mm, yeah. I wonder, I want to say, it's, I don't think it's just your gender prejudice, although I love that you pushed past it, but possibly your sense of people's socialization, right? And the limits that that puts on. Yeah, that too. That yeah, too. but I love but that. There definitely, of course, yeah. But, but there, of course, are um, men in the world that cry a lot, and there's men in the world who paint their their fingernails too. Yes. So. No, absolutely. I mean, I, I found him believable. <laughs> and I love that it was <laughs> I love that it was that he was yeah. back. You know what I mean? That we had seen him earlier in another story that wasn't his perspective and, and, and he was peripherally right. He's like someone's brother and someone's husband and all of that. Yeah. 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 So um well, I think the number one question, you know, would into my mind would be how do you decide that it's linked stories and not a novel? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think in a lot of ways, genre is much blurrier than we think it is or than we admit it is. And I don't I don't really know the answer to that question. Uh, I think for me, it was a choice because I have already written two novels and I am in love with short stories. I love reading short stories and I really wanted to be a member of the short story club. And um, so I wanted, I wanted to have a collection of short stories. And I know that a lot of people think that novels are sexier than short stories, but I really, I love the, I'm really happy and excited that I have a short story collection. And so I would not have really wanted to call it a novel, um, even though I think maybe, um, it, you know, of course it's easier to promote a novel than a collection of short stories. Um, so, but I don't, I, I think really, if, just for example, to go back again to Elizabeth Strout's Olive Kittredge, I mean, mm -hmm. why isn't that a novel? I think you, I think you could call that a novel. Um, I'm not even sure if it says on the cover, if it's a novel or, or short stories or what. Which yours um, doesn't either, right? But yeah. No, mine, mine doesn't either. Although I think there is a quote from Kelly Link on it that says, Something about the stories that's right. on the cover, which I think probably right. my editor did on purpose to to indicate that it was stories. Yeah, I, yeah. I I actually felt you know sort of I, I would say lying down to read this right at night. <laughs> I felt actually a lot of pleasure in the in the in the form and in that combination of okay, here's a short story. I've read the whole thing even before you know my exhaustion could overtake me as it does <laughs> every night. Yeah, um, and to kind of also know it was familiar to know, you know, to know that I was coming back to it. Um, so both yeah. those things that were really fun. So, yeah, I feel like if, I feel like if it works, um, then it could be really amazing. Like a short a linked collection could have, you know, all that, all the sort of compression and satisfaction of a short story collection where each piece has its own arc and, but it could also have, some of the pleasures of a novel where characters are recurring. And so it has, it has a larger arc as well. So it could, yeah, I think it's potentially a really great form. Did you at any point think like, maybe I should take this further and knit it more closely and make more of a, you know, a single arc and kind of make it a novel or were you pretty committed? Well, well, I, I was probably more half acidly committed because when I, um, I first decided to do it, I, I did about what, what would now be like about half of the stories I linked up. And then I thought, okay, that I, you know, I did that. I was at a writer's residency, the Blue Mountain Center for September last year. And I, I did all of, all of the, 
like about half of the work, about half of the stories I linked up. And then there were other stories that weren't linked up. And I thought, oh, this is great. This is good enough. And I sent it to my editor and he said, no, this is not good enough. Um, he said, you know, either link them or don't link them, but this halfway thing isn't going to work. And <laughs> you're like, I'm busting a genre stories. here, man. <laughs> exactly. Can't we be experimental? And, um, and also, you know, that he said that there were some stories that were too similar still and that mm-hmm. it was, it was actually boring. He said, cause he would read one story. Yeah. Anyway. Mm. So that was annoying. And I hated yeah. him for about a day, but then. Yeah. But then, actually, he was right, I thought. And so then I did this whole other kind of, you know what that's like when you're, you think you're done and then you kind of have to wrench yourself back out of, um, back into it or out of it, rent, kind of wrench the work back out of its doneness and go back into it and make it messy again. Um, and that's when, once I'm in there, once I'm messing with it, then it's fun again. And then, um, and then all these, um, all these similar, you know, connections occurred to me and it was exciting, but it took pretty, it took me another many months. And then, but then even at the very last minute when I had the proofs back, or I think, I think it was that late in the spring, I was, I had this revelation that, um, the karate teacher was the same person. It doesn't really matter, yeah, yeah. but but basically that that there's a fine another character who um, who could be one character that yes. could could make two characters into one, and I was really excited about that. <laughs> I love this this idea. So of I guess it's a kind of end lap. Sorry, you go ahead. It's an end lap. No, you go. Well, I, oh, I, I was just saying. Yeah, you go. <laughs> I think we have a tiny lag a lag between our. <laughs> Yeah. Right. You yeah, finished. Not then I'll ask. <laughs> okay, I I'm finished. I think I think that was it. Well Thanks for joining us today. <laughs> okay. Um I was going to say <laughs> I love um this idea of wrenching the work out of its doneness, partly because you know I'm getting the oh. the second round of, of notes. Um, after like an incredibly huge revision on something I've been working on for years, right? So, and I, and it's true. Yeah, like once yeah. you, once you do it, once you get out of the doneness, then it is, it's like, oh yeah, I, this is why I do this. Cause I love writing and it's really fun to write and to edit and to all of it. But, um, but yeah, it's, you know, what you get to a point where you're like, I don't want to work on this anymore. <laughs> I know. And I tend to, um, I tend to be really, um, pleased with my work initially, you know, like, I'm like, wow, this is amazing. <laughs> and then, you know, it, it's, it's sort of a hard when you realize, no, it's not, it's not amazing yet. Right. I know. And I, yeah, I'm tr- it's interesting. Is because- it sort of hard? <laughs> or just devastating. Or is it just devastating? <laughs> but you get used to it. Yeah. Yeah, I well, I I definitely remember that when my um, editor wrote back to me saying no, not done. I just wrote back to him one word, which was "ug," and then I, <laughs> and that was it. <laughs> Sounds like you have a really good relationship with this guy. <laughs> yeah, well, he he was the editor of my la- of my novel, the my last book too. So I so I think we worked together, and I trust him, and I felt comfortable with him. So so that. And I, I do trust him. I think he's, I think he has good instincts and he's helpful. And so, so that's, so it wasn't like I, th- I couldn't really think, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. Cause I actually had already decided he did know what he was talking about. <laughs> Is he, did you, had, had you sold him the, the collection at that point? Yeah, we did it. Yes, I had. So we did it um, with the original stories and then I started linking them up. Uh-huh. Okay, cool. So, um, yeah. Let's talk a little bit about how that, since you've written novels and a memoir, um, how how your process is different when you're kind of doing this after the fact, re, you know, rejiggering versus when you're going into yeah. something that you know is whole. Is it is are there similarities? Are you are you do you plan ahead of time more with a whole or how, what's what? How tell me about the similarities and differences? Yeah, good question. I th- I think it was definitely the reason it took me six months instead of six years or whatever um, is that I I started I think I so when the story 
almost all the stories that are in the collection were originally published um, in different form. And so I started at a, I kind of leapt to a much later stage in the revision process, you know, because they were, they were already publishable. They already published stories. So it was more going in and in a weird way, it was kind of the opposite. It was like going in and messing them up again, you know? <laughs> and that was what that was what was initially really hard. Like they were all like a, my little dollhouse was all set up and it was looking really pretty and it was all in play mode. And then I had to go in there and just knock it all down and move, you know, move uh, furniture to different rooms and move characters, throw characters away, you know? So, um, so I think it was it was in some ways a more psychologically initially difficult thing mm-hmm. to do than when you're mm-hmm. when you're in the when you're doing a book from you know you from the beginning to the end in sort of one continuous process um, and you think you know what that book is uh, there's there's still though that those wrenching moments where you're like I think I'm done but I'm not done but I think I'm done. But they're not, they're still unpublished. Do you know what I mean? So it's, it's still, there isn't that, there isn't as much of an illusion that, yeah, I really am done. Like these really were done. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't, and I never want to see those stupid stories again. So, but but then, but again, well, I, but I, I actually love revising probably too much. I probably, um, my, um, my close colleague, Karen Yamash always Karen Tayamashita always teases me that I over revise and she's always gets annoyed at me that I'm not done with things because I go back and revise and revise and revise. Yeah. So, it's a fine line it, there. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, or maybe it's a but, long line. <laughs> well, I guess, what does yeah. that mean? What does that mean to over revise? <laughs> Have you then destroyed it because you've done too much to it or that it was good enough earlier on. I mean, that's a waste of time. Sometimes maybe it's just making it different instead of better. What do you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Which, what Karen Yamashita means is that I'm wasting my time. What I mean is that, um, no, that shut up. That's not true. I say that, um, I mean, I tell this to my students too. Who cares what you're writing on? I love to write and I don't, if I'm revising or if I'm writing something new and I'm totally immersed in that project, then I'm happy. And I'm actually probably happier when I'm revising and write. That's probably it. I'm probably happiest in my writing life when I'm revising, Mm. not when I'm doing the first rough draft. Definitely not. (laughs) And to be completely honest, not when the book's out, that's happy, but it's, it's a little emptier. Like the Mm. times I feel most full of my writing life is when I'm revising. Yeah. Yeah. So why not pull that stage out? What about you? What about Exactly. I'll just never stop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. No, what, about, what, can... what about what's your favorite page? Well, I definitely, I definitely prob- probably over revise, although at this point I, it almost feels like a superpower. Like I'm like, yeah, throw anything at me. Like I did, I changed a character from a, you know, from a woman to a man. Um, because it was too similar to a celebrity in my age. I was like, nope, change that to a man. And, uh, <laughs> and then, yeah. um, you know, whatever. Like, I'll just rip out the huge seams and, you know, put in other things. So I've gotten very daring about it because I know I can I can do it. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I guess I don't know about favorite, but. Um, I think it depends on your context, frankly. What do you mean? Well, I think that mm-hmm. if you are someone who has someone waiting for your work, uh, it's more difficult to over-revise than it is to, you know, it's when you're talking mm-hmm. about your superpower, mm-hmm. you still have someone who's like, you still need to get right. it to me by Tuesday. Right. When you don't have someone waiting yeah, that's for fair. you, yeah. you can spend yeah. 20 years <laughs> easily. That's very true. That's very true. And actually, I really do also love um, when I write essays, when I write literary essays, I don't, I don't um, over labor at them at all. And often I do have a a deadline, I just do it. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, get it done in a couple of weeks or whatever, and I send it out and it's published. And then that also is very satisfying too, in a very different way. 
Mm. You know, I, I, mean, we're, 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 I can't believe how much time. We're, I guess we have we have, we have a little extra than, I, than that, right? Anyway, um, I wanted to ask you, I know you have a, or you have had at least this pretty amazing, like, writer's group, a group of readers who read your work, a group of writers. Oh, uh-huh. Um, yeah. How did that? How did yeah. that f- factor in here and and in other projects in terms of revision and deciding? Yeah, well, that's a good question. Um, well, this most re- yeah. So I I I'm a member. Uh, I I was a member for many many years, and actually through the entire writing of my last novel, which took me really long time, like ten years, I had a, this core writing group. Um, and, um, I, yeah, I, um, it was, it included writers that I really super admire in their own, um, writing. I'm a, I'm a big fangirl of their work and also they're excellent editors and, um, this group of, uh, four other women and, um, and they really supported me through that uh, project and were totally helpful and, and stuck with it, like read several drafts. I, I can't believe they did that. Yeah. And then with this project, I was in, I was actually in Europe when I was working on it because I was on sabbatical. So I couldn't, you know, do my book group, but I did ask two of the people in the group who uh, are primarily short story writers to read it. And they were incredibly supportive. But I do have to say, I love you women if you're listening to this. But um, they said it was great and they weren't that critical of it. Um, so, but but luckily for me, I mean, it did make me feel good. But luckily for me, um, my publisher was all very critical of it. So, um, it actually, there was this funny, this juncture, this funny, disjunctive moment where they had just read it. And they were just really excited um and happy about it and they said um you know this is genius this is a novel this is brilliant blah 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 and my head swelled and I sent the sent the book the next version to my editor and I was like they say I'm a genius and they say it's brilliant and a novel and he wrote back and he said "Mm, good job but and then he still had he didn't agree so he still had a lot of <laughs> that was another ug moment but um but i think it was really helpful that he was good more critical well one of the things moment. i um, often kind of well, one of the things i wonder is if we should ask our you know writing group friends who are who are brilliant right brilliant readers brilliant writers yeah but if we should sort of ask them would you put your own money behind this <laughs> <laughs> because that's what our editors are doing. You know? Yeah. Or yeah. That's even. actually a brilliant question. Yeah. <laughs> Which, of course, I don't think yeah, anyone and could if answer you would, honestly, probably. Um, yeah. But sure. then you could be like, and could you actually do that? <laughs> yeah, can I have a, like a little, can I have an advance on? I know. On exactly. <laughs> exactly. How committed are you? Yeah. <laughs> when you exactly. say brilliant, do you mean like 500? Exactly. 500? Could you? <laughs> <laughs> 50 <laughs> grand <laughs> yeah um yeah ante up exactly so in terms of so you're working on two shorter things right now are you are you thinking about a longer thing again and or another collection or what anything like yeah that? yeah I, yeah no i i have a so so in my i had this year sabbatical and i spent half of it finishing this story collection and then I spent the other half um, doing research and rough writing on my next project which I'm really excited about and um, it's called this is just a draft Mm -hmm. name but right now I'm calling it A Quiet Year from Utopia to Apocalypse and it's nonfiction, and it looks at um, historical women and girls who yeah, that's the background. I'm not. I'm definitely not going to write um, about the Trump election. He doesn't deserve my my, my center. But um, but it is about women and girls in uh, utopic and apocalyptic situations, and also my own um, kind of a relooking at my own childhood on, mm. on a utopian commune. I love I love the juxtaposition of the word quiet, which I think you know labels so many wonderful books often, and you know things that Mm -hmm, attend mm -hmm. to language or to emotion and then to just, you know, juxtapose that with utopia and apocalypse is a wonderful line. Yeah. 
Oh, good. I'm glad you like it. It's great. Let's see what anyone else said. And Did also, you put money? Yeah, right? <laughs> I might. You know, if it was a quiet year, I would be concerned about the marketing angle, right? But when you throw <laughs> Utopia and Apocalypse, and I'm like, yeah, I could put a little bit. I could, I could pony something up. Um, not that I personally don't. You know, I love quiet personally, though having two 11-year-olds, yeah, course, I don't remember it. Um but um, yeah. I wanted to ask you also about, you know, the um, the small press, um, like the kind of uh, ups and downs or advantages and disadvantages of working with a small press that is, you know, and I think what's happening is small presses are getting, I mean, they always have, I guess, but they get to publish really wonderful stuff because um, because there's so, you know, and, and wonderful authors because uh, there's so much sort of that, that mainstream publishing is leaving on the table. Yeah. Dumb. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I'm just wondering. Yeah, because um, they're dumb. Yeah. Unless you, unless they polish me, then they're not. Dumb. Then they're not. Right. In which case, um, yes. Um, but you know, just like in terms of distribution, <laughs> <laughs> distribution, and um, you know, I, I know you're, yeah. you've got some uh, upcoming events. Um, in fact, I guess this is coming out in a week, so I know I'm going to have gone to one since then. But um, I think you're probably doing others. <laughs> Yeah. I, okay. So I think, um, I think it's pretty simple. I think, um, and I did have my first novel was with a big press. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, um, the, in general, the, uh, most of the things about publishing with a small press are fabulous in that you, um, you get pr- a lot of personal attention, um, personal focus, you get to be really hands-on in terms of involved in the look of the book and the public, you know, Mm -hmm. um, and all of that. Um, and I think, and also definitely with my last book, I got a chance, you know, um, it was definitely, I I think I can say this, that the publisher really felt like that was his biggest book that he was publishing that season. So Mm -hmm. he was really, you know, kind of all in on it. And that was really exciting. Mm -hmm. I think, as you said, the, you know, the frustrating thing for both the small presses and the small press authors is um, just trying to get, you know, to get your voice heard above the fray. Like, we are here, we are here, you know, and they're just boiling that dust speck. And we're so just trying to get that um, get your voice out there to get the news out there that the book is there. It can be frustrating. And, you know, we're, we're working in tandem really hard. I think I I was going to say that definitely as a small press author, I did a lot of, um, self, you know, self-promoting, which is not my favorite thing to do. Um, but I, but I actually know, I think uh, many authors who are putting out books with mainstream presses with big advances are also doing a lot of um, self-promotion. Yeah. So I think it's just the new, the brave new world, the, the new culture that we're expected to do that. Yeah. And I was really excited that Publishers Marketplace put this on one of their big like lists, right? Yeah, that was good. Yeah, that was good. And I did actually do a really, I, um, I did a lot of readings. I'm kind of going towards the tail end of I have a few more, but I did like 17 readings on, on both coasts. And oh my God. It was fun. That's so huge. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I think it was big. It that was... A lot of it is, is sort of connecting with bookstores and, and audiences and then getting that to keep going after you're gone, right? Yeah, I, that's the hope, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah, so, and I didn't meet. I mean, go ahead. Oh, okay. go no, ahead. no, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say I, um, I did meet, like, many, many lovely, lovely uh, readers and bookstore owners and incredibly great bookstores too. Oh, that's cool. You know, I wanted to ask you actually before we move on to steal this also about publishing all these short stories and, um, and how, you know, that's sort of a nice way to get out in between books. And, um, and I'm curious if you hear from readers because, you know, because we're all connected now, um, <laughs> if, you know, if you have a yeah. sense of having readers <laughs> from those, those short story publications. You mean that came back to the to the um, to the linked collection? Well, yeah, or I guess, or just, or just I just am curious if you have you know if, if there's more of a relationship there, uh, you know, because like if you kind of you know because is you, the question can she track readers from a short story to a no? Short I'm not actually even saying or? whether they come back for the collection, although that's really interesting too. But I just mean like 
you know, you publish something and it's out there and, um, I mean, and then, you know, and then readers can contact you now in a way. That yeah. That, yeah. I see. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, yes, I definitely, I definitely hope and believe and have had a uh, little evidence that publishing short pieces, um, people also read those and, um, and I think you definitely do make connections and it is a way of joining the conversation and, and also joining the conversation much more quickly because when you're writing a novel, if you're me, you know, it took me 10 years, as I said. So if I had just not written anything else, I just kind of would have been not part of any literary conversation for 10 years and, um, writing essays and short stories kept me still feeling connected and still talking about books and having a, a readership, um, albeit a smaller one. So definitely, it, I think it's really important. It's important to me anyway, mm -hmm. to, to do that. It's hard. I mean, it's, it's hard to, I mean, I'm just, I hate, I hate submitting. <laughs> right. So it's yes, hard. It's, yes, that's true. Yeah. But it's, I mean, I guess it's, yeah. It's probably not. It's also an, another one of those things that isn't so hard as it used to be in the old days because you just click buttons and things. Right. And I sound like 85. That's true. You don't have to. <laughs> I know you do. In my day, you had to whittle a cover letter. Um. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but I kind of am. I'm a little bit like before, you know, before the revolution. <laughs> So. I don't know. Me too. Me too. I, I, I often find myself saying, in my day, I didn't have to spend 24 hours on social media. <laughs> yes. Right? I have to say, I've <laughs> kind of fallen off of it. Yeah. I, I know. I it's sort of, yeah. I think our kids, I don't know, your kids are, are more in that, like, you might have more of a sense of this. My, like, my, ours are still baking, but, you and know. hiding from us. I, I, don't, I hope I do not mean that euphemistically <laughs> or, you know, in terms of drugs. But you're, ba um, <laughs> you're baking. Yeah, I know. It's a wrong, wrong metaphor. Yeah, where but are they're, you going? They're, what I'm trying to say is I'm curious if, in fact, they may end up being, like, really less intrigued by social media and all of those things because it's, like, so everywhere i guess what i mean is we're still we've still hidden a lot from them right? i think i think it's going to be like sugar so mm -hmm. what's going to end up happening is we'll have kept it from them and then they're going to get on something like snapchat just as it's going under and find it amazing and then the next thing they'll find is grind <laughs> and so <laughs> which will never go under and so then like that'll be the you only know, social no, media they have <laughs> What do you mean, friends? That's not what I'm here for. Yeah. Where's the emoji for that? Oh, I, sorry. I love that. I love the Snapchat and the grinder. Yeah, who knows? They may be like thinking it's so retro and hipster and cool to send actual letters right. with, with stamps. I don't. Yeah. Who knows? Right? Yeah. There's a yeah. There's yeah. a really funny moment in when we were while we're young, uh, right? With the mm. or this is. Anyway, with um, where where they're like Ben Stiller, Adam Driver. Adam Driver is a young doc documentary filmmaker, and his big idea is oh to right, I saw that. Yeah, connect yeah. with people on in in real life <laughs> instead of <Yes>. Facebook. Exactly. <laughs> ben Stiller is exactly like, that's called like visiting someone. <laughs> exactly. Oh my goodness. So, um, all right, it is time for Steal This, Amateur Poets Borrow. Okay. Yes, what have you come across in your readings and wanderings that you would like to take and make your own? Uh, would you like to go first or have one of us do it? Um, I Sure, I'll go, I can go first. Great. Um, I've been thinking about this because I knew you were going to ask me that question. But, okay, so the, what, I, what I thought about is the thing that I most consistently want to steal and feel deeply jealous about is when a writer um, uncovers some bit of research, um, especially some, yeah, but especially some historical figure. And I think, oh my God, I wish I had found that, um, that research and I would have used it. And I'm so annoyed and so, um, so jealous, like full on jealous. And then, so recently, the two ones that came to mind was one is Jill Lepore, who found all this incredible material about the man and um, women, too, who um, created Wonder Woman, mm -hmm. which was just an incredible story. And I thought if I had found that, I would be 
ha- so happy and thrilled and famous. And then, um, <laughs> and then also even more recently, um, I read one of the stories in Florida by Lauren Groff, which I really loved. And she has this piece on Guy de Maupassant and mm-hmm. um, about his his biography that I didn't know about. And I both love the piece and that the character is a, a critic writer who is has this vexed relationship with Maupassant, but also his biography is so interesting and troubling. And she, I was, again, I was just shot through with jealousy. <laughs> well, that's so wait, are I you stealing steal research? <laughs> you could totally steal the Jill Lepore steal thing it. because Jill Lepore's is a nonfiction okay. book. So you could write the novel or the short story. I think. Can I really though? I don't know. All right, I will. I think so. I think, and you know, and then you could. But let's just also like back up a minute. They aren't the first people to like have that particular ensemble, and I think you could get away with (laughs) any number of like figure out what intrigues you about the reality of it, and then this is yeah. This episode is is don't be jealous, steal it. Yes, (laughs) but because because here's the other thing that's just like. You know, so many things are just retelling. Like, you know, if, imagine if uh, yeah, if Shakespeare had said, like, oh, my God, someone has already written about, you know, Henry V. Or the, I can't write about Henry V. Yeah, but the fourth, the third, the sixth. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I yeah, that's please unto point. you. Yeah. Just steal Woman. it. Yeah, steal it. Totally. Yeah. And I think, I think Jill Lepore will appreciate it. <laughs> And um, I, all your, right, I'm, I'm gonna tell. I'm gonna tell her you said that when yeah. she slaps me with her lot. <laughs> but like Jane Smiley, right? Thousand Acres, right? Yeah, totally stole yeah, me. yeah. That's true. But mm-hmm. you know, anyway, it does seem kind of exciting. It does seem like you could zero in on a moment or um, something. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, but yeah, or maybe you just maybe you gotta <laughs> just start researching like ahead of the crowd. <laughs> <laughs> that, I know well, that's what I, I and I always I always am doing that but I just haven't recently fallen on any any lucky times of finding the the research that I want to use mm-hmm. okay but here's this one of the <laughs> one of my favorite writing one of my favorite idea generating exercises I learned when I went to CineStory which is a uh-huh. Thing, a film, a thing. film thing. <laughs> but basically, one of the exercises that they do is they give you a sheet of newspaper and you have to make a story out of whatever's there. And the teacher okay. was talking about how this one guy got coupons. <laughs> right? So he was in the middle and he's like, dude, I have coupons. <laughs> like, what am I going to do? And they're like, that's what you have. You got to make a story from that. And he was actually able to make yeah. a pretty compelling story. So I'm going to go against the other piece about just research because you've probably come across something somebody else might have been excited about. So it isn't that you aren't finding ideas. You're just finding ideas that don't resonate with you. So I encourage you to grab a coupon sheet and see what you can do. Did he come up with something brilliant? Yeah, he did. I can't remember what it is right now, but they were like, and this was his log line. That's all you had to come up with is his log line. Mm. We were like, oh my God, like, how did you get from, you know, 99 cents off Libby's pumpkin puree to, you know, the story of a... Right. Lawn mowing. I have definitely, I will say I've had that experience of coming, seeing like this. There was a, there was a book that was something like real life princesses or real life warrior girls or something. Anyway, it was one of those big pretty uh-huh. books. And, and there was like, there were some amazing stories. And it's like, oh, I want to write a novel about that. And somebody totally already had like that one episode of that person's yeah. life. And then, um, and then, and yeah. then um, my friend Regina had written an essay and she was telling me about these these crazy surrealists and I was like oh I want to write and she's like yeah someone wrote a book about that and like, of course you still can but it does take it does sort of deflate you a little you can <laughs> but a little bit but mm-hmm. I, but I know what you're saying you're basically saying don't be ungrateful you might have to write about coupons so just pick one of these things and go with it yeah you might say something brilliant about coupons too mm-hmm. yeah I might Mm-hmm. Wow! All right, and what are you going to steal? So what are you? So, so what are yours? What are you guys stealing? Um, actually, I've been kind of sniffing around the bullet journal, eighteen-year-old maze of bullshit. So I got on a, I got on a train like two hours after it left the station, which is the bullet journal craze. 
But the thing that I like about it is that um, uh, in terms of writing, just the idea of the simplicity and being able to have a process where you review something and you have little symbols that say, yes, this goes, this stays. And it turns out editing already has that. But um, <laughs> editing already has symbols. Yes. It's like it's a carrot. Wait, editing already has that. Um, <laughs> Steal that. Steal the carrot. Yeah. Anyway, so I'm a little punchy. I'm tired, but I think what I'm going to steal are carrots. So. It's good for your eyes. Good for your eyes. Yeah. But no, honestly, having a simplified process, because I think sometimes it's really easy, you know, to do super complicated things. So like, I'm going to do this crazy maze of super complicated things. And I think, yes. you know, right now I just want to do something super simple. Yeah, that's my, I'm, I had a, my professor, my beloved mentor in college and grad school, Alison Lurie, um, often said that to me she I remember her specifically saying you don't have to always do three cartwheels and two back somersaults to get you know from a to b you can just walk from a to b Mm -hmm. and and I think that's so true that you don't always have to be challenging yourself to do the the most dazzling experimental um unique thing on, on in every sentence and in every moment you know, I'll, I'll, I'll jump on that one because I am, you know, doing this editing in response to marginal notes, right? Just notes in on the page. And that's actually it until tomorrow when I'm yeah. having a bigger conversation. So my instinct when I get a little note like, um, this is a little confusing or what about, or, or some logic question like, well, but why haven't they asked, wondered this before, right? And I completely panic. Uh, and I think, oh, no. And then I come up with, like, something enormous. Like, oh, if I change these five characters, start here, add this backstory, change the motivation. She had her throat polyp. So she was wondering, <laughs> but she couldn't say it. So she was right. unable to speak during the time she would normally ask that question. So, and the polyp came from when her mother smoked too much. And then we're going to have yeah. a whole like, chapter on the mother. In fact, the mother's going to start interweaving through the Right. And yeah. that's like my, instinct. Yeah. And, and actually Angie, my, my, one of my myriad coaches <laughs> will say, you know, what are you trying to fix? And so yeah. that's like another way of simplifying, like going back to like, Oh, you know, because sometimes it's just I can add a sentence <laughs> and yeah. stop reading. Yeah. And figure. sometimes it's a question you're okay with the reader having. Yeah, which is a little hard if it's your agent, but but right, but you know, we did have that conversation about like how do you tell the difference between what is someone's like marginal note of why didn't she ask sooner to huh. Like, right, they're starting to, they're starting what's to get going it. on here? Oh, right? wait a minute. That wasn't that person. Yeah. It was this person. It's like, yes, that's what I want you to be thinking right then. I want you to be like putting together the clues. So that, yeah, yeah. that's not really stealing from a book, but it's stealing from, from I get Angie. carrots. Yeah. From like, yeah. From yourself. Yeah. Or just like, and just calming down. Yeah. I mean, the other yeah. thing, the other thing I was going to say is I'm reading um, Tana French's new book, The Witch Elm. Oh, how is that? So I I'm, really want to read that. Yeah, I'm a huge Tana French fan. I've read, I literally think Me I too. have read everything else or listened to it. And um, this is her latest, and it's right, yeah, and it's a standalone. It's not her detective series, and it's from the point of view of you know of the family of you know where this happens, not the detectives. So, and you know. Anyway, mm-hmm. what's really interesting about it is it's it's kind of slow going, and I think that. But oh no! That, I mean, it's, it's still there's. I'm still in it. I'm not putting it down, you know. But um, and there's so much about her that I love, and there's definitely moments. I mean, there's moments that I'm going to use in my teaching that are so strong. But what she normally does, I don't. Is she has these characters who have such a kind of a need. Right. And then the, and then there's a murder mystery that has such a, an, a, an engine. And so those two things yeah. play off against each other so well. And this character does have a need, but it's not quite as articulated. It's not kind of soaking in that in the way that her other stuff is. And then there isn't they haven't yet. And maybe I think I'm getting to the point soon, I think, where they're going to have to be involved. But right now it's sort of happening around them, not even really to them. And so it's 
And so it's it's like, you know, it's Tana French minus a couple of key Tana French things mm. um, that could have yeah. that could have been well, in there. So I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. That that's not a great recommendation, but I'll still probably read it. <laughs> right. Well, and that's the other thing is like be so damn good, right? Time after time, she's so good, she's so consistent that I still trust her. Yeah. Right. It's like okay, she, you know, it's like yeah. if she's taken me on like eight amazing adventures and this one is like seeming like maybe it doesn't seem that amazing but I'm going on it because you know because <laughs> I trust her exactly so that's yeah no I I'm see. going on it too yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and then you know and we'll see maybe you know maybe it'll be amazing so all right yeah. Nick, how can people get a hold of true love and other dreams of miraculous escape and find your public self in the world Okay, excellent question. Um, you can go to your local bookstore or, or you can go to Amazon or um, you can go to um, one of those two things is what I'm thinking right now. And then um, you can, if you, I have a few more readings coming up, one in San Francisco on Wednesday at the Bindery. And that's going to be with um, Kate Schatz. And, um, but that's going to be passed, I think. Yeah. I'm so I stopped talking about that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's going to be great. So I would just say um, go onto my website. It's mikaperks.com. And that's M I C A H P E R K S. Dot com. Yes. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, it's always <laughs> super fun to talk to you. I know we had a little bit of a lag, but um, I think we made it work. Yeah, you two are so funny and so gracious. Thank you so much. It's such a pleasure. We're looking forward to the next one. <laughs> Not long now, though, right? <laughs> no pressure. Exactly. <laughs> Anytime now. Anytime. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Bye. All right. Thanks. Bye. 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 